You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a WealthCap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, everybody. This is Devin, your host for the Portfolio Builders podcast. And I am really excited for, um, for today's episode and being able to interview Miss Sarah Weaver. Uh, say hey to everybody, Sarah. Hi, everyone. Hello from New Zealand. <laughs> so um, this is going to be a cool interview and we'll, you know, we have lots of, lots of stuff to talk about. But um, what's super cool about Sarah is that she has been an investor for a while, um, investing in properties in the United States, and she actually lives in New Zealand. So for people who are, you know, like part of our audience who are getting comfortable with the idea of buying out of state, I thought, you know, what an amazing perspective you would have to share um, because you're not just out of state, like you are on the total other side of the world, completely different time zone. Like it's not even the same day where you are <laughs> compared to where we are. Um, so for folks who don't know who you are, would you be willing to like introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about about your background um, and how you even got started investing in real estate years ago. Absolutely. So thank you so much for the introduction. Yes, I am currently in New Zealand. And as you can hear from my lovely American accent, I am not a Kiwi, um, but I am a digital nomad. So what that means is the last five years, I have been working remotely with my laptop, traveling the world, and I've always worked in the real estate industry. And so I love this juxtaposition. Obviously, real estate is a fixed product and a fixed location, yet I have the ability to travel anywhere. And I've been doing that, like I said, for five years. I've um, been in the real estate industry for six. I was an agent for what felt like five minutes and realized really quickly that I have this desire to travel. And surprisingly, real estate investing goes really hand in hand with that. And so that's what we'll kind of dive in today. And like you said, we're, I, my goal today, Devin, is to really just crush some of those limiting beliefs that investors have related to out-of-state investing. Totally. So your, if I remember correctly from our, our conversation a couple weeks ago, and you were actually recommended a couple times to me to have on as a guest because your story was so amazing. Um, how did your journey start? It started with house hacking, right? Correct. So I was living in beautiful Denver, Colorado. I was 26 or 27. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to come up with the capital needed um, for a property in Denver that made the numbers work. Sure, I could come up with the three and a half or five percent down needed mm -hmm. to for occupy, but there was no way that the numbers were working. They were all negative cash flow or they were super far away from anywhere I'd actually want to live. And so I had a, a think, okay, what do I, what's really important to me? And I zeroed in on my why. Why do I want to invest in real estate? And why am I a digital nomad? I'm, I'm a digital nomad not to live in an amazing, expensive city like Denver, but to travel the world. So I packed my bags. I drove across I-70. I actually ordered the smallest U-Haul that you can get because I don't have very many things as someone that moves all the time. You start to really narrow down your, your things that you own. 
but it's funny, they only had the biggest U-Haul available that day. And I'm like grabbing the keys and I'm looking at them like, you want me to drive this like 10 hours? Like, okay. And turns out I figured it out. Um, since then I've driven lots of crazy different modes of, of vehicles like motorcycles in Vietnam and four wheelers in Brazil. And so it's funny, I think that started a trend, but I drove across I-70 um, to Kansas City because I knew that I could make the numbers work. I could buy a single family home for around $200,000. So mm -hmm. for those of you listening in expensive markets, yes, I bought a beautiful single family home that was cash flowing for $200,000. I think it was 217 by the time I closed. And I used the rent by the room strategy. So I filled the house with tenants and I moved out and I did exactly what I said I was gonna do, I traveled the world. So that year, I think I spent four and a half months abroad. And wow. then the following year, I actually spent all 12 months living in South America and Mexico. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and you're able to work remotely. So yeah, so that worked for you. Um, what did you do then to like start adding more, more doors to your portfolio? Did you repeat the house hacking or... Like, how did you do that? Could you do that from abroad or did you have to come back to the U.S.? That's a great question. And it's a really gray line. And so I'm here to say that if you're house hacking, you do need to own or occupy the property. And so I didn't buy the property in Kansas and then immediately move back to Denver and rent an apartment in Denver. I really did live in that house and then just spend most of my time abroad because my job allows me to work from anywhere. And as this podcast comes out, I mean, I think a lot of people are in that position. I think a lot of people's jobs have become remote because of coronavirus. Granted, the, yeah. the nomad part of my digital nomad is kind of gone um, because it's not sustainable or safe to be traveling. Um, but it will come back eventually. And I think people won't necessarily have to go back into the office. Um, so that's a piece of owner-occupy house hacking that, that I want to be really clear about. Uh, I'm not here to like advertise skirting the rules. Right. Um, not, and I know that everyone can't like pick up and move to Kansas, nor should they. Um, but for me, that worked really well. And so the next property that I bought, I actually bought through a company called Agents Invest. It was such an incredible experience that I quit my job and I started working for Agents Invest only, what, two months, maybe 60 days after I closed on my house. And so I'm happy to kind of walk through that process. Uh, yeah. So what were you doing before? What, what line of work were you in? So I was a real estate recruiter. I worked for a staffing agency, more of a recruiting agency, I should say. And we placed administrative staff with real estate agents and teams. And okay. so what's really cool about that is that every single day I was talking to top, top producers, mm -hmm. either solo agents, hiring an assistant, huge team leaders, hiring staff, or even large brokerages all across the country. And then I even had the opportunity when I was living in Brazil, I started getting speaking gigs both in the U.S. and Canada and flying from Brazil to the U.S. and Canada to speak at real estate brokerages and conferences about how to hire and how to make more money by making the right hire. And so my kind of wealth of knowledge is centered around real estate agents and their business gotcha. um, in addition to staffing. That's really cool. So you buy, was it, it, was it basically a turnkey that you bought from agents invest or like what, what did you buy? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I bought a duplex and I am house hacking it. It just turned out that like the timing worked great that I could move out of the single family, continue to rent it by the room. I filled my room, rented it at high premium with my, as furnished with all my belongings. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then I bought a duplex. And so the duplex needed, gosh, I think I spent under a thousand getting the, the downstairs unit rent ready. But then it was awesome. I rented it out for $135 more than what I thought I could get. So that was exciting, $135 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a small win, but for any real estate investor knows that that's a win. Yeah. And then, and then the top unit I moved into and I immediately got a roommate. And so the, that unit could use some TLC, um, but right now we just left it as is. And I think I've spent maybe $200. Wow. Okay. So you buy this property from Agent Invest and then you decide I'm going to quit my job and go work for them. Uh, So you're like, you're investing, but you're also working in the real estate field. And then you decide that you want to come and work for this investment company. Um, What, like, what is your role like there? And how has your personal portfolio grown or been impacted since? And how long ago was that? That was in January. And so about 10 months ago. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, So since then, like how have you been adding to your own portfolio and then take us on the journey of (laughs) you got stuck in New Zealand. Exactly. So, so I, I uh, negotiated seven weeks off in between the two jobs. Um, And for anyone that's ever thinking about transitioning jobs, promise me that you'll do this because as Americans, we don't get enough holiday or vacation or Mm -hmm. paid time off. And so the best time to take time off is in between jobs. And so I took seven weeks off and I did a motorcycle trip through Vietnam and I got a phone call in, gosh, it had to have been early December from my current boss. And she had decided that we were going to cancel some of the work trips that we had planned for Q1 so that we could focus on a project. And so she was calling me to say, hey, if you want to stay in Asia, go for it, girl. Like, you don't have to come back to the U.S. in January to to start working for me. And so, as you can imagine, I hung up the phone. I was like, oh, my gosh, where should I live? And so a quick Google search led me to Bali. And so I was in Bali. um, And things just started, obviously, to get a bit weird in the world with COVID And I knew that I was likely going to be stuck in the next country I was in. And so I happened to be in Malaysia on a visa run. um, Mm. Because for anyone that's been to Indonesia knows the the famous visa runs that you have to take to to leave the country for 24 hours and come back. And so I happened to be in Malaysia and just really had this feeling like in my gut that I knew that this was the week that the whole world was going to shut down. And so I wrote in my journal countries I'd want to be trapped in and I, <laughs> and I applied for a, a visitor visa to New Zealand and Australia. Uh, the other country on the list was Singapore. I, I went to sleep. I woke up. Both of my visas were accepted. I got out my phone. I ordered an Uber and I went to the airport <laughs> and wow. got on the next plane to New Zealand. 
And the part of the story that I'm leaving out is that I was crying. I was stressed. Like I was not cool as a cucumber, as it sounds now. I was freaking out. And so um, I made the right decision. I have an incredible support system around me of other digital nomads. Um, hi, Zahava. Hi, Chris. <laughs> hi, Morgan. And, and they just are like, girl, you're good. And I called my mom who, who doesn't have a, who does have a passport, but has never used it. And she's like, Sarah, I have no idea where you should go, but I know you're going to make the right decision. And so I, I chose New Zealand for a number of reasons, but um, we won't get into that. But that's how I'm here. <laughs> that's crazy. And I love that you added in there, like, I was not cool making this decision. Because um, I know, like, for me personally, a lot of times when I make a bold move, whether it's in my personal life or in my work life or... Um, a year ago, for example, I moved to Nashville. I didn't move here for the job that I have now. I just moved like following a sign. I know some people might think I'm nuts when I say that, but uh, it took some courage, but there was a big part of me inside that was freaking out like, OMG, what am I doing? Because I walked away from a real estate business coming here and not knowing, not knowing what was in store for me. Um, and, you know, now I have the best job in the world and I feel like I won the lottery every morning when I wake up. Like it's amazing, but it certainly is fearful. So I can imagine that you were scared thinking, okay, I'm going to be trapped and I'm going to start this new job and work remotely, which is cool because you've been doing that for a while. But what about your rental properties, collecting rent, staying in contact with those people? Like what if something goes wrong? you know? Yeah, let's dive into that because we, we said at the beginning, well, I want to crush some limiting beliefs around out-of-state investing. So at this point, I own three units. So I'm not big time and it's just me and I am insane and I'm self-managing. Mm -hmm. And so I want to say that I do not advertise that you should self-manage. I think everyone should get a trusted property manager. It just so happens that because I lived in the single family and moved out, I'm still self-managing that. That's going really well. I've replaced a roof, I fixed an AC unit, I have fixed a toilet, and I've replaced a dishwasher all from afar. Thank you, Google Voice, Facebook Messenger, and wonderful tenants. Um, and then for my duplex, I've had a move out and a, gosh, what else has happened over there? Almost nothing. I, I don't think I'm forgetting anything. Sometimes I, I paint too rosy of a picture, but mm -hmm. I don't happened on the duplex yet. <laughs> I'm sure it will because it is old. Like we're talking 1890 old. Um, yeah. And so I'm sure things will happen and that's why I have systems in place. So I have a huge network of real estate investors that I rely very heavily on. Um, they're, my, they're my internet buddies. Uh, we chat often. I just got a new, oh, I've, I've managed, fired, interviewed, and hired um, a landscaper twice from abroad nice. and my new guy is awesome. I told my tenants to like make him coffee and bring him cookies because he's the freaking best. He sends me videos that he overlays text on top of and he sends me photos that he like manually circles like, would you like me to trim down this hedge? And he's amazing. Wow. And I found him from another investor that I got introduced to from networking. And so don't, 
don't come from a scarcity mindset thinking that investors in who are investing in your neighborhoods or in your market don't want to share contacts. If mm -hmm. you come from a place of adding value, like I'm one of the first people to comment, oh, you need an attorney? Here's who I recommend. Oh, you need a CPA? Who, here's who I recommend. Because I know later down the road, I'm going to need a landscaper or I'm going to need a plumber. And those are exactly where I get my contacts. Totally. We have such an amazing community in our Facebook group on our portfolio builder Facebook group. And a lot of our investors, you know, they're buying, they're buying turnkeys. Some do other things as well. You know, it just depends um, on each investor, but I agree with you so much, like having that community where you can talk with people who are also investing in real estate, if they're doing a same strategy, similar strategy in the same area, or they're going to have the same concerns as you, you know, so that you can get feedback from, from other people. Um, the internet is like the best thing that ever happened and to real estate investors. Exactly. And our community is so cool. So we run a members only mastermind and one of the members posted, Hey guys, I'm going to be in Indianapolis this weekend. Let me know if you want me to drive by your property. Like who offers that? Especially because a lot of us are what we call investor neighbors because mm -hmm. we're all starting to buy in the same market in, in Clarksville. I know that there is I believe 24 plexes kind of in like a multifamily neighborhood and our investors own 15 of them. Oh, wow. And so we really are investor neighbors now. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm not that far from Clarksville. If you need me to do a drive by, <laughs> let me know. I would, uh, I would run up there. I love it. And so, yeah, so I think that community aspect is so key and that's why we have this members only mastermind. Mm -hmm. What, what do you think are some of the biggest limiting beliefs that people hold on to or cling to when it comes to investing out of state? I think the number one, um, and this comes if you're a, a, I love the disc profile from my staffing days. So if you're like a, a driver personality or even an analytical like S or C, your biggest fear is being taken advantage of or not seeing the numbers correctly. So also being taken advantage of. And so I think the biggest limiting belief for out-of-state investing for all types of personality types is that something's being pulled over on you and you're being ripped off or you're not seeing the numbers correctly because you're literally not seeing the property probably ever. And I think that's where it makes such a difference. You have to work with reliable people. Like any industry, there's great real estate agents and there's bad real estate agents. There's great property managers, bad property managers. So don't reinvent the wheel. Join a trusted group like yours or ours that has the teams and the property managers already set in place. Because we're constantly in contact with our community, if something goes wrong, Every single person investor in our community knows immediately if something went wrong because we all talk. It's not, it's not a secret society. We all, <laughs> and so we were able to lean on each other and you don't have to be alone and interview 15 property managers, interview two or three that are already being used by investors in our community. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so having kind of a fast one pulled on them, you think is, is one of the biggest limiting beliefs. What do you think are some of the other obstacles that people have to, you know, cause I take calls with people all day long that are considering investing in a turnkey deal. They live in Seattle or Denver or whatever. 
and our properties are in Kansas City and Charlotte and Birmingham. And oftentimes they'll say, but I haven't seen it, you know, and, and they'll ask, have any of your investors gone to go see their houses? And I don't, I mean, there might be a couple that like live in the markets where our properties are, but 99% of them don't. So what, what would you say to somebody who's maybe got that mental block about buying a piece of real estate that they've not, that they've not I've, physically seen? Yeah. So let me walk you through. So my, my best friend's husband is a UX designer. So very analytical, but also creative. And he is an incredibly intelligent and he wants to invest out of, uh, in a rental property and mm -hmm. he doesn't want to invest out of state. He has, he has a lot of limiting beliefs and he goes, well, Sarah, I need to be able, like, what if the, the sink breaks or the toilet breaks at two in the morning and I need to drive over there? And I looked him straight in the eye. I was like, Joel, with how much money you make, are you really <laughs> to leave your house, drive even 20 minutes to go fix a toilet? And I love you, but you're not handy at all. Like, do you even know how to fix a toilet? And I think he heard me and he really was like, oh yeah, you're right. That sounds terrible. Like I would never do that. And mm -hmm. I said, yes, the difference of a house 30 minutes away having a linky sink and a house 3000 miles away having a leaky sink. If you have the right people in place who they're actually the ones getting that phone call. If right. you're using manager, you're never going to get a phone call at three in the morning. Um, I'm actually, I've never used a property manager and I've never gotten a phone call at three in the morning. Um, well, correction, three in the morning, us time. Maybe when I live in time zone, I do get phone calls at three in the morning. Um, but I think that it's, it's really slowing down and thinking about the bigger picture. Like, am I investing in real estate because I want to create passive income? Well, then is it passive if you're dropping what you're doing and you're driving over and you're fixing a toilet or a sink or a dishwasher or an air conditioning unit? No, that's not yeah. passive. And that's not part of the bigger goal. And so if that is a part, if you're wanting to be a fixer flipper, then yeah. But if you're trying to be a passive out-of-state investor, so in this case, he has an incredible W-2 job. He has an incredible career and mm -hmm. he's ahead and he's like, you know what? I want some, I want to diversify my funds because that's what people tell me to do. And real estate sounds really like a great investment. And so I'm telling him exactly how to do it how to do it with the least amount of headache and the most cash flow, because that's what I'm all about. For people that are in appreciation markets and that's what they're about, that's a totally different strategy. But I am yeah. about whole cash flow. 100%. Same. You know, the appreciation, I feel like, is the frosting on the cupcake. Um, and in a super high appreciation market, maybe my cash flow or cash on cash return um, requirements might be a little different. Like the markets that we're in are, they're a little different. Charlotte is, you know, bananas with growth and appreciation. So the cash returns there are a little bit lower, but we're still getting positive cash return. I feel like a straight appreciation play is just risky. You know, like the deal, I don't want to break even, <laughs> you know, that's not what I'm going for. So I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. And I, I love that you just asked him flat out, like, are you going to go fix that toilet? Um, I don't think I've done that for anybody yet, <laughs> but I might, I, I'm, I might this week. Yeah. Yeah. 
also married to my best friend. So that was a much easier conversation. I probably wouldn't tell a stranger, like, are you handy? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. But it is a lot of work. You know, I've, um, I've self-managed. I, I used to own a property management company. So I managed like a lot. And, you know, there's, I'm so grateful for that experience and I will never self-manage again um, because of how much really goes into it. But because of it, you know, I saw how much a good property manager is really, really worth. And I know right now you're self-managing and you say that that's crazy because of how far away you are and that it's not really scalable. It's not scalable. Um, yeah. So just out of curiosity with maybe where you're planning to go with your portfolio or because you work with so many investors and agents who work with investors. Um, my question has a lot more to do with scaling. So we have a lot of investors that are, they're picking up five, six houses from us so far this year. They want to pick up maybe 10 or 12 next year as they, as and you may or may not know, I'm just throwing this out there. As people start to scale their individual portfolios, like what do you think are some of the tools, tactics, strategies that they might need to research? Um, because you might have a better idea than, than I do because that's your professional yeah. arena. So, yeah, so the number one thing is start with the end in mind. So it, it's really easy in anything to get really sidetracked and like, oh, this person's chasing mobile home parks. Oh, this person is doing self-storage. Oh, this person has a thousand units. That person isn't you. We don't know what your W-2 job is. We don't know if you're wanting, if your goal is to quit your W-2 job mm. or hire your spouse or go part-time. So you need to know what your individual goal is. So for example, we have, I have an investor in our community and his goal is to quit his job, quit his W-2. He makes a lot of money in his mm -hmm. W-2 and it's going to take a lot to get there. And so he's, he's a numbers guy. So he sat down and he created a, a, the numbers and okay, I'm, I need this much in monthly cash flow. I'm going to need this much in reserves and it's going to take me this many units, I think, to get that cash flow. And then he worked backwards. And so I recommend people to do that at, at any stage. So for me, I know what my cash flow goals are. Well, th what they were pre-COVID, um, that has changed. Um, mm -hmm. Just can't physically be back in the US and house hack again. Um, and so I, I worked my numbers on what my unit count needs to be. Mm -hmm. And I know that me personally, I'm probably going to run out of capital soon. And so I've started looking at partnering. And that's kind of a whole nother conversation. But I think to your, to your original question is the investor needs to know what their specific goals are. And I personally never want 10 single family homes. That just sounds like a lot of work. Like I want to max out my potential with my conventional loans. So I'm going to try to pick up as many duplexes and fourplexes as possible mm -hmm. to try to get much cash flow for that conventional loan. So if we have any listeners listening that are like, well, wh why do I have a certain number? Fannie and Freddie allow an individual to have 10 conventional loans at one time. So right now I have two. I picked up a single family home 
using owner-occupied conventional, and then I picked up a duplex using, using owner-occupied conventional, and then next I'm probably going to pick up a duplex not using owner-occupied but still using a conventional loan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of looked at like where do I want to go with that, and then once I hit 10, which I do plan on doing in the next three years, once I hit 10, I have an option. I can either portfolio those together right. or I can scale up. So sell a single family home that maybe isn't cash flowing and 1031 exchange using tax deferred to scale that single family home into hopefully a cash flowing fourplex. And if that, if your head is spinning after listening to me, then you have a lot of research to do. If you're nodding, then you need to start analyzing deals and writing offers. Right on. I'm nodding. This is what I do all day. (laughs) And a lot of people that I talk to, um, they need that education. They don't know. They don't know those rules. I was an agent for a long time, so I I'm familiar. But a lot of our, um, I would say, our community, they kind of fall into one of two buckets. Either they've never they've never invested in real estate, um, so they don't have a clue. Like they don't have a clue how to get a loan. They don't know how to do anything. And I love sharing with them everything you know, that they might possibly need to do. And then there's others that are like really experienced real estate investors. And uh, they just, depending on which bucket they fall, they have different questions, you know, from how do I get a loan into like, okay, how do I maximize? You know, how can I um, buy a bunch of properties in cash and then refi them into a portfolio loan? So I think it's great that you, that you share that because people can fall anywhere on that, on that spectrum. And I think it's important, like I'm nowhere near hitting that 10 conventional loans. So I'm not going to, I have no idea how to portfolio 10 properties into one, but it doesn't matter. I don't need to know that. And so Jennifer right. Beatles said this week in a really great phrase, just in time learning. And mm. so I think a lot of investors overanalyze and overprepare. Yes. And and you don't, I don't need to know. I don't need to know how to do any of this. I can figure it out as I go or better yet pay money to join a community like a mastermind so that I have someone to ask at any time of the day. Yeah. That's, that's the best money I've ever spent is, is having someone to ask because I don't have the capacity to learn every single Fannie Freddie rule oh, every totally that I want to invest in, like that is a complete waste of my time. <laughs> totally. I agree a thousand, a thousand percent. Like there's a reason that I pay somebody to do my taxes uh, because it's money well spent. They can, they can tell me the best things to do to maximize my savings and blah, 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 without me having to figure it out, you know, and a lot of other things too, like outsource it in the way that makes the most sense. So you can you know, a lot of our audience, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners, or they're high income earning W2s. So they need to focus on what they do to get the capital to invest anyway and let somebody else figure it out. You know, um, I think that's amazing advice. So you're in New Zealand. Do you have any idea how long you're going to be there? No, I really don't. Um, it's looking like definitely, so I don't know when this podcast will come out, but it's the end of September now. And I definitely, I won't come home for Christmas. Um, wow. my, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's crazy. So if you are there for say another six months or so, are you going to move forward on buying another property while you're still there? 
Like if you get trapped indefinitely, are you going to buy sight unseen and you're nodding? So I'm guessing that's a yes. And are you excited for that experience? Do you have any idea what it's going to look like? Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, I know exactly what it was look like because for my last duplex, um, I went under contract. So I was house hacking that, but I wrote an offer. Um, funny enough, I was in Nashville for the weekend um, and I wrote an offer. It got accepted and I did drive back for the inspection. Um, in hindsight, I really didn't need to, um, but, but I did. And then I immediately flew to Mexico um, cause it was already planned. I wasn't planning on buying a house that week. Um, but I flew to Mexico and I was in Mexico for, gosh, I think four weeks, I, at least long enough that I closed while I was in Mexico. So I did power of attorney and had someone else do, sign all my closing docs. Um, mm -hmm. so I know what that piece looks like buying a house from abroad and absolutely. Yeah. I will buy something in the next six months. Um, right now I'm actually looking at partnering um, and so that's kind of my new venture that I've again, never done it before. I talk about just in time learning. Um, yeah. I've reached out to quite a few people that are looking to be the money and I do all the work. And so that's my next venture and I will do it all from abroad. Really like practice what I preach. If I really believe in out of state investing, talk about doing it in a different hemisphere on different time zone, the other side of the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, here's a question that you may not have an answer to, but I'm just curious. So <clears throat> I have so far a couple international investors, um, but they happen to like have US credit scores. They file taxes in the US, so it's pretty easy to help them find financing. Do you have any idea if somebody is, somebody lives in New Zealand, they are not, a U.S. citizen, if they wanted to invest in U.S. real estate um, financing, since COVID hit, I have just not been able to find any lenders except for, you know, one or two that have any options for foreign nationals and the ones that do, you know, it's a pretty hefty, it's like a 60-40 um, on that, on the down payment. You know, they're putting like 40% down. So it's 60% finance. I'm just curious because you're living there and you're yeah. so active in the investing world. Do you have any advice for, for foreigners who want to buy U.S. real estate? One is just keep looking for the right lender. There is someone out there that will lend to them. It may not be conventional, it, but terms are so, rates are so low right now that right is the time to find something. Um, and, and get really creative. And so if an, if an international investor is serious about buying real estate in the U.S., there will be an option. And I recommend finding the property first because people are a lot more willing to talk to someone if there's an actual property that they can analyze. Mm -hmm. um, that would be the order that I would do it is I would find the property and then I would keep searching. You're probably going to get 50 no's to find a yes, but there will be someone out there. Gotcha. I wasn't sure if maybe there was, you know, if you had a secret that I didn't know about yet, because I would love to help some of these investors, you know, that live overseas and, and they want to, they want to pick I, up property I, here. The lender that the two lenders that I speak with um, constantly um, both invest 
And so if you're not working with a lender that's already investing themselves personally, that should be the number one person that when you in this podcast, that should, that's your homework. Go find a lender that invests. And if you want mine, ping me and I'll give you mine because he's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's really solid advice too. Kind of like, uh, you know, don't trust a skinny chef <laughs> or things along that nature, you know, like be really careful who you get your, who your, um, who you get your advice from. And we have some amazing lending partners. We're always looking for more. And there are people who really understand the investment world because it's a totally different animal than owner occupy. You know, it's totally different animal. Same with agents, agents that work with investors versus agents that work with owner occupants, which I know, you know, because that is your professional um, area of expertise. So I'm curious for people who, um, you know, maybe they're looking for an agent that's helpful with investment properties. What are some of the suggestions you would give them, you know, trying to find that right, that right agent? Yeah. Uh, join my deal list and <laughs> my community. Like why spend your time researching the internet to find agents when we've already found them for you? Um, I know that's a bit of a snarky answer, but it's the truth. Like hey, why, yeah. why waste your time mm -hmm. doing something that someone else probably better skilled than you? Like if you're even asking that question, what do I ask a real estate agent? You're probably not super equipped to be interviewing real estate agents. And so find someone that's already done it. Um, and that's what we do. Um, you can join our deal list. We not only send you viable, available properties, but then we directly connect you with the real estate agent on the ground. They connect you with property managers, inspector, appraiser, contractors. Like you're, we had someone ask yesterday, like how on earth do you renovate an out-of-state property? And the answer is your property manager does it for you. You're not, I'm not gonna pick a sink or a duplex in Tennessee because I don't know what like market rent requires. Does it require granite countertops? Can I get away with quartz? Can I get away with butcher block? That's not my expertise. And so I'm gonna lean on a contractor and property manager who knows that market better than I do. And that's what the Agents Invest Deal List gives you access to. That's awesome. Um, yeah, a lot of folks that I talk to, they ask like, well, can I just flip houses on my own the way that you guys do. And I'm like, yeah, you totally can. Or <laughs> you can let us do it for you because we've basically already got it figured out. You know, it's just a matter of like, what's more, what's more important to you? Is it the, the saving the time, not having to figure it out yourself and letting somebody who's, you know, kind of an expert in that field do it for you. Or if you want to do it yourself, like by all means, you know, go for it. Um, but it could save you a lot of time and money to work with a group like yours or like ours that like, that's, that's their main thing. That's what they do. You know, like this isn't our side hustle. It's our main thing. So what, um, are there specific markets that your deals are in? Yep. We're in about 27 markets and always looking to expand. So if you're a real estate agent that is good at finding investment properties, call me. Um, but yeah, we're in about 27 different markets right now. So are you constantly adding agents to your network too? Is that part of your job? Are you still kind of recruiting for the agents? Yep, that's my position. So I'm working directly with the agent partners, finding new agent partners to keep deal flow up. That's amazing. That's really cool. So uh, we're getting close to the 
to the end of our time slot here. I'm just curious what, you know, we debunk some of the, the myths that, or the, uh, you know, mental blockages that people have about investing out of state. What do you think are like some of the most important points to get across to somebody who's, if they're thinking about investing um, out of state and they're, they're not getting started, they're kind of hung up, like what, what would be the most important piece of advice would you say to somebody about getting started? Yep. So if you are, if you're single, um, then you need to have a vision board and a vision for your life and what you want your life to look like. That is crystal clear. If you have a partner or a spouse, then you need to do that activity together. Um, it is way too hard to do real estate investing, especially out of state, if you're not really clear on why the heck you're doing it. Hmm. And, and it just makes everything easier. Like my life decisions became easier the moment I made that vision board. I said yes to things that are hard. Hmm. I said no to things that are easy, like another night out or yes to reality TV. Like it's easy for me to say no to things that don't serve me and my greater purpose and my greater goals. Oh, I got the chill bumps on that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people are going to hear this and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody tells me to make a vision board. Like stop. You put your ego aside. You are not better than these people that need a vision board. You need a vision board. <laughs> And it doesn't have to be magazine cutouts, like mine's in Canva, another person in our community, hers is simply pictures and a folder. It doesn't have to be a crafts project, people, <laughs> but it does need to be a self-identification exercise. You need to figure out what the heck you're doing um, because it's really easy. I, I know people personally who have wanted to invest in real estate for three years and Devin, how many properties do they own? Zero. Wow. Yeah. And I know that guy too. <laughs> and it, it just, it irks me because in order to become a real estate investor or as, as my friend Bonnie calls it, a real estate entrepreneur, you just have to buy a property. <laughs> like yeah. not rocket science. You can mm -hmm. use, we've been talking about just in time learning and figure it out as you go. Lean on people that have done it before you. And you don't need to reach out to the gurus. You don't need to reach out to someone that owns 50 units or is 50 steps ahead of you. Reach out to someone like me or you who's only two steps ahead of you. Mm -hmm. One, we probably have a lot more time and patience for your frankly dumb questions um, because we were there not very long ago. Right. And so reach out to someone that's two steps ahead of you, not 20 steps ahead of you. Mm -hmm. that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. And it's so important, you know, and maybe not funny, but you hear that like all the time with real estate investing, with business advice podcasts, with relationship, you know, courses or whatever. Everybody says, start by figuring out what it is that you want. Cause if you don't know where you want to go, um, you're just, you're never going to get there, you know? And I help people all the time with, and I, I, sometimes I just have to ask them like, what is it that you want? Do you want to replace your expenses? Do you want to replace your income, you know, or you, you don't know. Um, and when they don't know, you can tell they're just like, well, I don't know. I just know that I got to do something with this money in my bank account. Well, and some you know? people's ways are so powerful. Like I know someone in our community who has a daughter that's disabled 
And so they likely won't be touching very much of their money because they're setting things aside for her future. Mm -hmm. um, I have a family who one of the, the spouses, she hates her job. She won't, she won't quit because she thinks the family needs her salary. And right. so how motivating is that as a husband working your tail off, analyzing deals at 11 PM, knowing that everything you're doing now is going to directly affect the happiness of your wife. Like that, that makes everything That's amazing. So yeah. much easier. Totally. I, for can, me, maybe you want a Tesla, maybe you want a vacation home in Hawaii. It doesn't have to be like this beautiful story or this beautiful why. And that's the thing. Your why can be private. There's yeah. no reason to share it with anyone. And so it can be silly. It can be that you want plastic surgery or you want an in-house chef. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Your Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that so much, you know, if you don't, if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, then you're just never really going to get anywhere. And like for me personally, one of the short term goals is simple. I just want to replace my expenses, not my income, but my expenses. I freaking love my job. They're dragging me out of here in a body bag. I'm not leaving for nothing. Uh, but think of how much fun it is to get up and go to work every day for the pure joy of it you know, not because you need any of the income. So that's like my personal short-term goal. And there's more beyond that that I would not share, uh, <laughs> you know, live on the interwebs or on the podcast later for everybody to hear. But, you know, I shared that on a call with some girls today that were, they're getting ready to invest. Two girls are going to, you know, partner together. And I asked them like, why, why are we doing this? You know, and uh, they weren't really sure yet. So, and I shared with them, you know, my, my short-term plan. So, uh, Sarah, when are you going to buy that next property? Do you know? Yeah. So, so actually I hate to say this on a podcast, but I'll say it. I am waiting not for the market to change, not for COVID, not for any like unicorn to come out of the sky. I'm waiting for my 2020 tax returns. Oh. Um, <laughs> Relatable. Yeah. So, so between now and then, cause that's way too long to not buy something between now and then I am going to partner with someone. Um, but then I'm waiting, uh, for my 2020 tax return. So I will be, if my CPA is listening, I will be filing like as <laughs> soon as I can, like January 2nd, he will have an email from me with everything I can put together. Um, and I'm waiting for my 2020 tax returns. I hate that I'm saying that, but it's the truth. So, no, I, I totally get it. And I know quite a few people that are, they're in a similar boat, you know, or they're using like a commercial financing option right now where granted there's a bigger down payment. It affects the returns, blah, blah, blah. But you know, you have to weigh, you have to weigh options. Um, so that's really exciting. I'm, I'm excited to, to keep in touch with you and see, how things go, um, how long you might be stuck in New Zealand. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's too, it's too terrible. Um, I'm so happy here. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, maybe you'll just choose to stay forever. And eventually though, you're going to have to hire some help to manage that portfolio of yours because you won't be able to do it from down there forever. Exactly. And believe I've networked with um, real estate investors here 
I have two women that I am in constant contact with that own rental property in New Zealand. Um, and yeah, you better believe that I started looking into the market here. Um, and it's basically all negative cash flow. And so I'm going to stick with my, my out of state investing. I'm actually looking in your state. I'm looking in Tennessee. I love non-income tax states. Um, I'll give that little tidbit. I I'm looking in Texas and Tennessee. And if someone's looking for buy and hold cash flow, I think they should too. Those are the two states that I'm looking at. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, um, for sharing that. And I love what you shared too about what's going on in New Zealand. That's what I'm hearing from all of my international clients and potential clients. They're like, we can't, we can't do it here. It just doesn't work, which is the title of this whole conversation and how the whole thing got started is about investing where the numbers work and live where you want, like do what you want with your life, but put your money where the numbers make sense. Cause you don't have to live there. Well, yeah. Sarah, and one thing I have to say is that every time you talk about your job and how much you love it, the people listening to the podcast can't see, but I am just ear to ear smiles, nodding profusely because yes, like if you don't love your job, then you need to invest in real estate to create an exit plan and an exit strategy yeah. or just frankly find a new job. Um, yeah. But I freaking love my job. I love what I do. I, I think it's way bigger than the money, the unit count, the portfolio building. It's that we're truly changing people's lives by giving them more freedom and more options as they totally. add to their Yeah, a hundred percent. That's exactly, that's exactly how I feel. Um, which is what makes it so, so fun. And yeah, to those people out there listening, if you hate your job, like put some money in real estate so you can quit doing that. <laughs> Life is too short. Uh, Sarah, it has been so fun chatting with you today. I'm so excited to continue our, our friendship and, and see how things go from, uh, from New Zealand and watch you add more properties to your portfolio. Um, and keep us, you know, keep us updated what it's, what it's like. And um, anybody that is either listening to the replay or if you're watching us live and you have any questions for Sarah, what's the easiest way to get in touch with you? Uh, like any good millennial Instagram. So find me at Sarah D Weaver on Instagram. And I've kind of monopolized actually anything Sarah D Weaver. So Sarah D Weaver at Gmail, Sarah D Weaver.com is now purchased, but under construction. But yeah, Sarah D. Weaver. You can find me at LinkedIn and Facebook if you search Sarah D. Weaver, all one word. Okay, cool. Um, so anybody, if you want to reach out to Sarah, she is pretty easy to find. And of course, if you have any questions about how it works to pick up turnkey deals from us, I am very easy to find wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist. We'll take you to my calendar and we can jump on a call and talk about uh, how everything works and if it makes sense for you. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a blast. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see what the future holds for both of us. We'll see Thanks you again soon. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.